Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoked Podcast. I'm your host, Holt Norris, joined by my good friend, Jordan Brooks. We call him JB. What's going on, JB? Pretty well, Holt. Did you get a good night's sleep last night after staying up really late watching that uh, end of the Arizona-USC game? You know, I did. Um, it did get a little bit cold here, though, so it was. Uh, I did have to wake up in the middle of the night and get back under the covers because my feet were, like, frozen solid. But yeah. it's, that, it's that time of year, I guess. I turned off my uh, AC units in my house. So I'm just like keeping them off and I'm opening the blinds during the day, letting the sun come in, little slight greenhouse effect. And then at night it goes back down to the perfect sleeping temperature. It's the best time of year. You're saving money on utilities too. Yeah, that's going to be nice. Um, at least at least I hope so. Um, <laughs> you never know at the MLGW. So. But, uh, you know, I, I did... I was awake um, in bed watching the Arizona-USC game and fell asleep in the fourth quarter. Uh, but then something woke me up in overtime, and I actually got to watch the end of that game. So a little, little disappointed with the outcome. Um, you know, I had a, I gave out three pretty decent upset picks last week, and they all could have won but didn't. So it was a little, you know, two of them covered very easily, including Arizona. But uh, man, that that would have been nice if one of those could have come through for me. But uh, anyway, I think, um, I think I got my upset pick right though. Yeah, the, but uh, I mean, I get, game. I mean. I'm not trying to talk shit or anything, but <laughs> I gave out three upset picks that were bigger underdogs than the one you gave out. So Fair I enough. Mean, yours was like five and a half. I gave out a six and 11 and a half and a 21 and a half. And they all almost won. See, I felt good about my Wyoming pick because I'm in a group pick them where we all put in like, you know, $30 between like 20 of us and winner takes all at the end of the season. Those pick them on ESPN and you have the confidence out of 20 people in the, our group, I was the only one that picked Wyoming. The other 19 picked Fresno State. So that actually feels really good for me. Yeah, it was it was a good pick. And you know what? Being uh, Almost winning an upset pick doesn't really mean anything. But uh, that being said, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, jump into uh, our recap episode. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, we're just going to be recapping all of the, uh, all the uh, action from all the SEC games yesterday, um, going through and... Uh, dissecting everything that happened maybe talk about um some big picture things as well as uh go over the games um you know uh this is your first time listening to the podcast uh we usually don't spend a ton of time talking about um alabama and georgia and lsu i mean we will talk about them but we do try to talk about all the teams in the sec just to try to you know spread it out pretty evenly um and with that being said uh jb i'll just let you go ahead and get started what was the main takeaway you had from yesterday yeah i mean i think there's two. I think the early slate games are the best games by far, um, whether it's LSU, Missouri, or Oklahoma, Texas. I mean, I think we're, we're covering Oklahoma, Texas because these are future SEC brethren. That, to me, was the best game, and it was the best finish um, by far. Um, you and I both got it right, too. We both picked Oklahoma, but that was such a thrilling game. Um, back and forth, um, both teams, um, both quarterbacks were playing pretty well. Um, Quinn Ewers had a few mistakes. But Dylan Gabriel, man, like, what a warrior he was yesterday. I mean, made all the right reads, the right throws, was able to make some plays with his legs when he needed to. Um, that was just a perfect game plan by Oklahoma. And like I said, I thought they were playing peak football coming into this game, and they proved us right. I mean, I think Texas is still possibly going to be the team to beat later in the season. But right now, Oklahoma is playing the best football in the Big 12. So kudos to Oklahoma. That was a big win for them. And if you look at the rest of their schedule, they should very. They could very well run the table the rest of the way and be undefeated going to the Big Twelve Championship. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, it is uh something to keep in mind this year. The Big Twelve did get rid of division, so pretty likely we're going to see a rematch of that game in the Big Twelve Championship game. That's what I'm thinking too. 
And of course, you know, the ACC doesn't have divisions too. Of course, that's a, I don't know. I don't know if we really want to enlighten and elaborate that much about that Miami massacre last night, but my God, uh, that was probably one of the worst uh, um, endings I've ever seen as far as like botching a game plan at the end. I mean, it's, and same thing happened in the Alabama Texas A&M game too. But luckily for Alabama, they got that first down when, uh, yeah, they tipped the ball to himself to get that first down. I mean, that was one of those where Alabama got lucky in that, but Miami did not get so lucky. Yeah, that was uh, – if we had a segment about, you know, bonehead play of the week or call of the week or something like that, it would have definitely have gone to Mario Cristobal. Um, all you had to do is take a knee right there. Um, totally, totally blew it. Uh, running back fumbles. Then they give up a Hail Mary to, at the end of the game to lose to Georgia Tech. So, yeah, that was a tough one. But – uh. Going back to uh, Oklahoma, Texas, that was a, a really exciting game. Dylan Gabriel, um, you know, got what a performance. Um, you know, he really was the offense for Oklahoma. I mean, he pretty much did everything, ran in the, run, ran for over 100 yards. Um, obviously, had a great game through the air as well. Um, really big game for Oklahoma and Brent Venables. I mean, I think coming into the season, there was a lot of talk about Venables and whether or not he was going to survive this season. Um you know, with Oklahoma making the move to the SEC next year, maybe it's a good time to just go ahead and say, hey, this isn't working out. Um, you know, talent wasn't an issue for them last year. They actually were a pretty talented team, but they just, you know, really struggled for whatever reason in his Couldn't first put it season. All together. <laughs> but uh, they definitely have things clicking now. And uh, Jeff Levy, their offensive coordinator, um, who was it, you know, Ole Miss during the Corral era. Uh, so SEC fans should be pretty familiar with him. You know, he's doing a great job with that offense. Um, and obviously we know what Venables can do on the defensive side. And it's it's good to see Oklahoma like actually be a little physical on defense. I mean, I know Serviceable, they, yeah. They gave up some big plays, but Texas is a really good offense, maybe the best offense in the country. And uh but Oklahoma was was pretty physical and was able to get some stops and some big plays on defense. So, you know, it's good to see. That's not something we saw under Lincoln Riley. Yeah, and the thing about it is like even though they gave up five hundred and twenty seven yards, they were able to be opportunistic and they had three turnovers. That was really the difference in that game too. So you know, it's one of those uh, bend but don't break defenses, and it's an aggressive defense. And when you can create turnovers, sometimes it doesn't matter how many yards you give up if you're able to get, you know, win the turnover battle. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the other exciting game at uh, that same time slot, um, Missouri uh, falls to LSU at home 49-39. to um, RIP to anyone like me who had Missouri plus six. Um, with that pick six with 34 seconds left. Um, so that was, that was heartbreaking. Um, you know, really didn't want to want to see that for uh, financial purposes, but, um, man, what another just outstanding performance by Jaden Daniels. I mean, in my opinion, he's the best quarterback in the sec. I don't think that's really up for debate. He was 15 for 21, 259 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 15 carries, 130 yards and another touchdown, including a long 35 yard run. Um, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, if it wasn't for him, this LSU team would be completely lost. Yeah, and not just him, but also that entire LSU offense. I mean, him and uh, Malik Neighbors, what an awesome quarterback-wide receiver combo. I mean, that LSU offense is by far the best offense in the SEC, but that defense, if they cannot improve and become a little more serviceable, I mean, they're still going to probably finish, you know, a little over 500, you know, the rest of the season. It's just because that defense is just absolutely horrendous. I will I will give credit to um um you know a couple of instances I mean they were able to force some um, two turnovers and you know like I said those two turnovers made the difference in the entire game uh, LSU's offense is really balanced yesterday too 
ran for more than what they passed. Like, you know, they had 274 yards on the ground, 259 through the air. On the flip side, Missouri, pretty much most of their yards came through the air. They had 411 through the air, 116 on the ground. But why would you not want to throw against that LSU secondary? I mean, that's obviously their weakness. And I think LSU is going to be one of the most exciting teams to watch this year because we know they're going to score. And it seems like every game they're going to play from here on out is going to be like a shootout. So I'm excited to watch them, you know, you know, some future weeks coming up. And, you know, even though I still think when they go to visit Alabama in a few weeks, that game, most people are going to be picking Alabama. But my opinion is if LSU can score, you know, just like how Tennessee was able to do against Alabama last year, LSU's going to have a chance in that game too. Oh, yeah. And that's definitely the game everyone's going to be looking forward to. I mean, um, I think last week maybe we were thinking that uh, there were four teams in the race for the West. But I think after this past week, it really looks like it is going to come down to that Alabama-LSU game in a few weeks. It does, and yeah, obviously um, LSU only has one conference loss. They are three and one. They've already played four conference games, so you are right. I think that Alabama LSU game is going to have a lot of implications. Man, I guess you know, you know, at LSU, like I just can't quite figure out this team. Like you yeah. know, like defensively, like we have never seen such a bad defense. We're like the last ten, fifteen, maybe even twenty years. LSU has always been reliable to have at least a solid defense. And most of the times it's been an elite defense on all facets, you know, the defensive line, the linebackers, the secondary, but this defense, I have never seen such a bad defense in Baton Rouge. Yeah, it is really bad, especially, you know, a program that is referred to by a lot of people as, you know, DBU or whatever. Um, And you think about some of the great defensive backs they've had in, you know, the past 20 years or so, like you said, um, I mean, it's just hard to believe that they can be this bad. I mean, I think we knew coming into the season that the secondary was a question mark, but, uh, you know, I don't think even uh, the harshest critics of LSU thought it was going to be this bad. Um, But that being said, they did play a little bit better in the second half, um, you know, after getting off to a a really tough start. Um, But switching over to uh, Missouri, I mean, obviously Brady Cook had a huge day, a couple of tough turnovers. And, um, you know, if you're Missouri, this is a game that you really wanted. You know, this was your first big test in conference play. Um, but, uh, you know, Luther Burden has another huge game, 11 catches, 149 yards. I mean, he's definitely looking like the best receiver in the maybe the country this year. Um, you know, we got to see two of them in this one uh, with him and Malik Neighbors. But, uh, I mean, if you're Missouri, you don't really have time to, to cry about this one too much because you got another really big game next week against Kentucky. And I think the winner of that game – is really going to be in a position to uh to challenge for you know not the not the east but to be the second best team in the east i think yeah and i think uh kentucky you know we'll talk about the game a little bit but you know kentucky losing to georgia last night they've lost that tiebreaker obviously uh losing to georgia but missouri you know they still control their destiny the rest of the way i mean they still have who i think are probably the three best east teams left on their schedule with georgia kentucky and tennessee so you know you want to look at it from a Missouri fan standpoint or perspective. You went out, you're in the SEC championship. So, hope is still there in Columbia. Yeah, and no, I did uh, peruse the message boards um, this morning. Uh, it does seem like Missouri fans are a little bit more optimistic right now than Kentucky fans are, um, just based on just a little bit of research I did. But, um, you know, I think if you're Missouri, you have to feel good about Brady Cook and how well he's playing. Um, obviously, Luther Burden. And, uh, you know, Cody Schrader, the running back, also had a big game, 13 carries, 114 yards, and three touchdowns. So, you know, seeing a lot of production out of this offense, um, you know, defensively, 
they are, you know, pretty good against the run, but, you know, really got exposed against LSU. And, you know, um, obviously a lot of those rushing numbers are a little inflated because of the quarterback. That's not like a traditional, you know, running game. But, um, you know, I, I think Missouri defensively, you were hoping to see a little bit more in this game, but this is a really good, uh, a really good offense. Jaden Downs is a really good player. But um, just like you said, I mean, it sucks for Missouri. I know they really wanted this one, but, you know, everything they want is still in front of them. And uh, they really have to bounce back quickly um, against Kentucky next week. Um, probably the next, and actually, you know what? Let's just go ahead and get into the Kentucky-Georgia game since we kind of already started talking about that. Um, obviously, came into this game, uh, Georgia's offense has been kind of struggling, getting off to some slow starts. Uh, Kentucky was still undefeated, 14-point uh, underdog going into Athens. Uh, but Georgia really took care of business in this one. They got they got out to a quick start, you know, no starting slow this week. Um, really took advantage of that Kentucky secondary, and Carson Beck had a big game, especially in the first half. Yeah, I mean, that Georgia offense uh, really exploited the weaknesses that we've seen from Kentucky, especially in the secondary. But, man, that was just an all-out dominant effort. I mean, on both sides of the ball. I mean, Georgia, minus having one turnover, everything went perfect for them last night. Um, 608 yards at offense, only – 183 yards allowed by Kentucky. And I guess you can say, uh, you know, we've had, we've seen, have concerns about Kentucky through their first four games. And of course, last week they dominated Florida, but let's face it, Florida is not that great of a team. Um, Kentucky got exposed in this one. I mean, I don't think there's anywhere else around that one. I think, you know, Georgia, they're still Georgia. They still have all the talent. And when Kirby Smart has a team that's being disrespected in the media, his team always comes, seems to come out with a chip on its shoulder. And when they do, they're almost unbeatable in those instances. Yeah. And uh, there's just so many weapons on this uh, Georgia team. Um, you know, Beck was really able to spread the ball around. I mean, Brock Bowers, seven catches, 132 yards and a touchdown. We know all about him. Um, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, if I'm saying that right, uh, four catches, 99 yards and a touchdown. Rara Thomas, five catches, 63 yards and a touchdown. And uh, so they really spread the, Spread the ball around well, um, 435 yards through the air total, um, and uh, 389 of that was with Carson Beck. Um, and it was just good to see them come out and have a fast start. I mean, that's really been the thing is they get off to slow starts, um, having to come from behind. Um, that was not really the case in this one. Um, and I thought that really was key because it kind of forced Kentucky to throw the ball when they didn't really want to. Um, Kentucky moved the ball pretty well the first couple drives. They just had a couple of really dumb penalties. Um, both by the same guy, actually. <laughs> um, and you just hate to see that because those really set them back uh, when they were moving the ball. And uh, you just can't afford to get behind it to Georgia on the road. I mean, you know, once those, once they know you're throwing the ball and you're having to come from behind, it's just it's just a really tough spot. And, um, you know, Devin Leary, I mean, we had high hopes for him coming into the season. Uh, but, you know, he has been really disappointing uh, so far this season. Um, you know, 10 for 26, 128 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, just not uh, just not what we were hoping to see out of, out of him in this offense, this passing attack this year. Definitely not. And uh, that, you know, I was really optimistic about Kentucky going into the season. I really thought that Liam Cohn was going to, you know, right the ship, you know, because two years ago that offense in Kentucky was explosive. Uh, a, lot, a lot of games they were very explosive. Uh, Will Levis was playing his best ball his first year at Kentucky. And then, of course, last year um, when Lane Cohn left to go to the Rams for one year, the offense just sputtered. And I'm still seeing a lot of the same issues with their offense this year um, that I saw that that I saw last year. And 
Um, it's still an anemic offense, especially through the air attack. Um, you know, Devin Leary, I, you know, I don't know what happened to him because you know at NC State, I mean, he was putting up some really good numbers. It's almost you're not going to tell him that he should think about the decision he made, but man, what if he just stayed at NC State? I mean, obviously NC State struggling a lot on offense this year too. Uh, but I don't know what's going on. I, I can't quite figure them out. I mean, it's just uh, some weeks they look like they're showing flashes, like last week against Florida, especially on the ground attack. But this week, um, they just completely got exposed by, by Georgia. So this is another team my, that I keep saying that I also can't quite figure out either. There's some. Te- there's a lot of teams in the SEC that I feel like we have figured out. But Kentucky is one of those, you know, along with, uh, you know, LSU too. Yeah, and uh, Devin Leary, you know, from what I understand, also had a pectoral muscle um, issue that he was coming back from this year. And, you know, maybe that's a part of what's causing his problems. But, um, you know, if I'm being honest, aside from Will Levis two seasons ago, um, this is kind of standard for Kentucky quarterbacks. I mean, they just don't put up big numbers typically. Um, You know, and coming into this game, they actually had been a pretty, you know, efficient offense. Um, and of course, you know, Ray Davis is having a, a great season. Um, he's a really good, uh, back. He had a, you know, close to a hundred yards from scrimmage in this one, um, both on the ground and through the air. Um, he's definitely the number one weapon for them, but they just really haven't been able to get those, uh, those receivers involved. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if that's something they can improve on as the season goes on. Um, if Larry can get a little bit more comfortable in this offense and, you know, just like we were saying with, uh, Missouri, I mean, there's really no time to, uh, you know, to get down about this one, it's going to be a really big matchup against Missouri next week. And, um, you know, if you're Kentucky, you still have a chance to have a good season. Um, you know, looking at the schedule, there aren't a ton of teams left that just, you know, really scare you. I mean, obviously they have Tennessee and Alabama, both those games are going to be at home though. Um, and then the road trips don't seem too daunting, uh, you know, based on how some of those teams are playing. So, um, you know, still a lot to play for if you're Kentucky. Um, you know, you just hope Devin Larry can, uh, can turn things around a little bit and uh, Ray Davis can continue to lead this offense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Kentucky, I mean, they're still going to have a solid season. They're still going to go to a bowl and Mark Stoops got the best cushion in all of college football every year. He just, he can just win, you know, seven, eight games a year with the occasional lightning in the bottle bottle year. And he's going to be making, you know, top 10, top 15 salary for the rest of his career. So honestly, if I'm Mark Stoops, I would never want to leave Lexington. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about this uh, earlier. I mean, I think the only job that I would think about is maybe like Iowa because I think he played there, didn't he? He did. I mean, maybe when Kirk Ferentz retires because, you know, in Iowa, they're happy, similar to Kentucky. I mean, I think the expectations at Iowa are a little bit higher, um, you know, just based on the division. But now with the Big Ten getting so much tougher and they're eliminating the divisions, you know, Iowa's always played in the weaker division, so they've been able to rack up wins in that division. But the new schedule rolling out, you know, in the Big Ten, which I'm sure we'll get a chance to analyze a little bit more down the road, um, that job may not be as enticing, you know, when Ferentz retires. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, plus, in Kentucky, you know, he's safe there. I mean, everything's good. Um, you know, I, I, I do worry about coaches who stay in one place for too, too long who aren't, like, winning championships because I think, you know, you do lose a little bit of the fan base every year. Um, but I, I still think he's in a good spot right now. Um, and, uh, with that being said, we'll go ahead and move on to, um, the other big game from yesterday. Um, the two thirty game, Alabama beats Texas A&M 26, 20. Um, this was a kind of a, a fun game. Um, 
you know, both defensive lines really dominated. Neither team was able to run the ball. Um, I thought the real difference, though, was uh, Jalen Milrow for Alabama. Um, just made a few more plays than Max Johnson did. Um, just like I said, neither team was really able to run the ball. Uh, the defensive lines were able to, you know, create some tackles for loss and some sacks. Um, but Milrow just made a couple more plays than Johnson did down the field. Exactly. I mean, it's insane. I've never seen an Alabama team, you know, occasionally you may see an Alabama team be held under 100 yards. They got held less than 50 and a lot less than 50. I mean, that's just unprecedented to see an Alabama team not be able to establish any sort of um, run game. So, you know, credit to A&M on the defensive front. I mean, Walter Nolan had himself a really good game, plugging holes on the defensive line. But that's just a problem on the other side for A&M, though, is their offensive line, especially in the second half. It seemed like almost every play, um, Alabama's defensive pass rushers were just living in the backfield. And Max Johnson was having the pocket collapse on him, you know, under two seconds. I mean, he had no time to even get any throws out or scan the field. I mean, he had to pretty much make one read, and if that read wasn't there, um, he was going to either get sacked or he's going to try to scramble out of it and you know roll out of it and then end up just throwing it away. Like that was just pretty much the whole fourth quarter um, with that A and M offense and Max Johnson. So, I mean, that's one thing that Milrow can do though. He can create plays with his legs, especially when the pocket was collapsing on him yesterday. And sometimes that's when having a quarterback that can run the ball makes a difference. And I think that's why Saban has favored him over the other quarterbacks because he knows his offensive line has some issues. Um, you know, it's not it's not the perfect offensive line that people were thinking it would be early in the season. Yeah, it's it's definitely not. And uh, you know, I said this last week, and uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, truthfully, it's just uh, you know, Alabama they're not as good as some other Alabama teams we've seen. But I think some people forget how big of a gap there was between them and the other teams in the SEC. And just because they're down, you know, it doesn't mean that you know some other teams might have the opportunity to jump up and beat them. But it doesn't mean that, you know, they're just going to fall off the face of the earth and not still uh, be competing for this division. And, you know, as we sit right here, I mean, if you're going to look at maybe the four teams who have a chance to win the West or had a chance last week, A&M, Ole Miss, and LSU, they've already beaten two of them, and they get LSU at home. So, I mean, I don't know what the, the odds are right now, but if I had to guess, I'd say Alabama is, a, you know, at least a 75%, 70-75% chance to win the yeah. West at this point. Alabama is definitely in the catbird seat. I mean, plus, you, you know, the rest of their schedule, two toughest, two, the two toughest games they have left are at home um, with LSU and Tennessee. Um, they do play at Auburn to end the season. Who knows where Auburn's going to be at that point. I mean, I did pick Auburn, you know, in the preseason to win that game. If they matched up next week, I wouldn't give Auburn a chance in hell, so. That's where we are currently. I think Alabama, the rest of this, the rest of their schedule, even if, even with Alabama sputtering and not looking like the Alabama of old, they still have the talent. They have the schedule in front of them. They can still run the. They can definitely run the table the rest of the way. Find themselves with a chance to go to the playoff. You know, by playing Georgia in the SEC championship. So, still Alabama, they're still going to be there at the end. Yeah, and I, I think the question is going to be if they can get to that SEC championship game with just the one loss. Um, I think that's really going to be, you know, what we're looking for, if they can run the table or not. I mean, the way they're playing, I still feel like they're susceptible to a loss. But, um, yeah. They definitely are. But uh, Jermaine Burton also had a big game. should probably mention him. Nine catches, 100, 197 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, he was definitely the go-to guy for Milrow. You could tell that um, – Alabama really wanted to take advantage of that A&M secondary, and they were going to take some shots, and they were looking for him, uh, especially early in that game. Um, and uh, just moving over to the A&M side, I mean, obviously this is a tough loss. Um, their second loss of the season. Um, 
you know, Miami also losing is probably not good if you're an A&M fan. Um, so a couple of tough losses early in the season. Um, you know, I don't know what the, what the temperature is in college station right now. It's definitely getting warm. Yeah. But, um, you know, look, you got a tough game next week at Tennessee. Um, so, you know, we, this kind of is a theme in this conference, but you don't really have, uh, too much time to sit around and feel sorry for yourself. I mean, you got to bounce back and try to get a big one next week. No, you don't. And I remember saying, you know, in the preview episode a couple of days ago that I thought that A&M, these next two games, they needed to split these two games, you know, with Alabama at home and then going to Knoxville the next weekend. And I thought the Alabama game was the more winnable of the two. I mean, Tennessee, when they're at home, they're a much better team when they play at home. And their offense clicks, their crowd is quiet. And then on when other teams are on defense, I mean, that that kneeling, you know, stadium crowd, they just really amp up and really uh, screws up things for the offensive line and the quarterbacks and the, uh, yeah, the uh, communication. So that, to me, I think Alabama at home was the more winnable game. And I said that they and them needed to split those two games. But that's the problem is now they've already lost the first one. And now if they go to Knoxville next week and lose, I mean, I think that's going to pretty much put Jimbo Fisher almost on a week-to-week basis, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, to be honest, I haven't been uh, too ingrained in the A&M fan base uh, lately, so I'm not exactly sure what they're what they're feeling right now. But you have to think with the amount of money they've invested in that football program, you know, they expect to be better than this. Um, you know, but that being said, they still have some opportunities to bounce back, and you know, I don't think any decisions are being made right now. But um, you know, obviously, you got. Uh, Tennessee on the road. Um, I believe they go to Ole Miss later in the season. That'll be another big game. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, I think A&M needed to split these two games. If they can win in Knoxville next week, they'll still have a chance to salvage their season. Uh, they may not be able to finish ten and two and run the table, but they could still have the rest of their way. But they may only lose one more game, finish nine and three, get themselves a potential you know Citrus Bowl or maybe an outside shot of New Year's Six Bowl bid, which would be a step. A slight step in the right direction, maybe buys uh, Jimbo Fisher another year. But yeah, I'm not sure what the temperature in College Station is. I just know their fans. If you read the tech tags boards, their fans are already sick of Jimbo Fisher. And I just know that if he loses next week at Tennessee, um, their fans are going to be coming out with the pitchforks. I just, I just know how crazy their fan base is, how what their expectations are. It's going to get ugly if they lose next weekend. Yeah, and uh, then moving over um, to another uh, exciting matchup from last night. Um, Arkansas falls in Oxford to Ole Miss 20 to, uh, 27 to 20. Um, you know, this game really did not go the way that I expected it to at all. Other than the fact that it was a close game. Um, Jackson dark kind of, um, struggled in this one. Um, and by struggled, I just mean missed some open receivers. Um, he didn't have any turnovers or anything. He was 16 to 25, only 153 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Um, you know, Quinchon Judkins, 18 carries, 65 yards. They were actually led by uh, Ulysses Bentley, who had 13 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then, of course, Dart had 33 rushing yards as well. And he's kind of shown off his legs a little bit more this season. Um, but honestly, I was mostly impressed with uh, Ole Miss's defense, especially um, on early downs in the first half. They were really able to keep um, Arkansas's rushing game in check uh, on first and second down, kind of forcing third and longs. Um, they did give up some third and longs through the air and they did give up some, you know, some big plays through the air, but they were really able to, uh, control Arkansas's running game, which was key in this one. Cause you could tell that Arkansas 
their their whole strategy right now is like they're going to try to hold on to the ball on offense for as long as they can and keep their defense off the field. Um, you know, I guess uh, you know Sam Pittman thinks that's a good idea um, in this day and age of <laughs> college football. He's still living in uh, 1980, but um, you know it, it was a uh, it was still a, a fun game to watch. Um, Ole Miss was still able to come through with the win. It's always um, a close game every yeah, time. They play. It's always a close game when these teams match up, and you know there was a, a point in the second half where. Um, Arkansas took the lead. Uh, Ole Miss, like a good team does, comes right back and takes the lead back on the next drive. Um, and then they were kind of able to control it from there. Um, what were your kind of your takeaways from this game? I think I think both of us are going to say the same thing. That offensive line for Arkansas. Who is the worst offensive line in the SEC right now? Is it Arkansas or is it South Carolina? <laughs> Offense, put, offensive lines and secondaries are really hard to find in the SEC this year. They really are. A lot but, of good ones. Like I put that poll on Twitter last night, and I probably um, – Shouldn't have because it was during the game when Arkansas's offensive line was struggling. And obviously during a game is when fans are going to be the most angry. And I, I did say that I think it doesn't matter. You can talk to Arkansas fans. They're going to say their offensive line is the worst. South Carolina is going to say theirs is the worst. But right now, I mean, that offensive line for Arkansas, especially I think the most disappointing thing is that Sam Pittman's the head coach, offensive line guru. Everywhere he's been, he's always had an awesome offensive line. This year, I mean, every play, K.J. Jefferson is just absolutely – running for his life. I mean, he has no chance in the pocket and the poor, the poor guy has no chance to even scan the field. I mean, within a second, he's got, he's having to evade a pass rusher to, uh, you know, try to create more time with his legs. I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, also, you know, when they you can't run the ball either, um, they're pretty much having to rely on KJ Jefferson. I mean, I'm worried about him, you know, the rest of the season. Cause like I said, I still think he's an awesome quarterback. Yeah. He can is. only do so much when you have an offensive line. That's that bad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just looking at the numbers, Arkansas ran the ball 29 times for 36 yards. Uh, KJ Jefferson was sacked five times. Ole Miss had 10 tackles for loss. So, um, really disruptive uh, performance by Ole Miss's defense. Um, and just like I said, uh, KJ Jefferson was able to make some plays um, through the air in this game to uh, kind of keep some drives alive. But, you know, they really were not able to, to run the ball like I thought they were going to be able to. Um you know, this Ole Miss defense is starting to, you know, show a little bit. Um, it reminds me a little bit of that uh, that 2021 team um, where they started to, you know, halfway through the season, started to make some plays on defense, and that was really the, the difference for them. Um, so that would be interesting to see if they can uh, keep that up going forward. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, Ole Miss is in a pretty good spot right now. Um, you know, obviously they have already played Alabama and LSU, and they went one-on-one in that stretch, and now they Play have Arkansas. the win over Arkansas. So. Um, you know, just A and M in the egg yeah, bowl. Just A and M in the egg bowl, and I mean, other than that, it's looking like uh, it's gonna be, you know, a pretty good season for them. Um, yeah, it's gonna be nine and three or better. Honestly, I think that's just how their schedule is shaping up for them. Yeah, and uh, you know, Jackson Dart, um, having a having a really good season. Um, they're starting to get the running game going a lot more the last couple of weeks, which is good to see. Exactly. And then one more thing I'll say about Arkansas. Like I said in the preview a couple of days ago. They were staring down two and five if they did not win this game against Ole Miss. Next week, I mean, you got to hope that the only hope that Arkansas has is that Alabama comes in sleepwalking after a tough win in College Station yesterday. Otherwise, they're going to be two and five. And yes, the schedule for Arkansas does lighten up after next week. But, you know, when you have a two and five football team, my biggest concern is how invested are they going to still be after, you know, falling to two and five? Because the rest of their schedule, they can still you know, get plenty of, get enough wins, get to a bowl. My issue is that will they still be invested? Will they still uh, want to play hard for coach Pittman? 
So, I mean, I could see the wheels completely coming off in Fayetteville after next week, you know, once they're two and five. That's my biggest concern going forward. And, and I hate, I don't want to see Sam Pittman in on bad terms at Arkansas either. After the last several years, the goodwill he's had, I would hope that, you know, maybe he'll step down on his own instead of trying to keep playing, you know, and stay there. Cause I still think even if he, if they miss out on a bowl or go six and six, they're still going to bring him back another year. I think for both sides, both parties, Sam Pittman stepping out at the end of the year would be the best move. Yeah, and I don't claim to be an expert on his uh, buyout or anything, but from what I understand, he did sign a, an extension. Um, I, I think after 2021, didn't so, he? So um, from what I understand, it is it would be pretty expensive to get rid of him at, uh, after this year, but um, you know, I'm not sure what the situation is. There's always some crazy boosters, I'm sure, who are willing to pay his buyout. They but, got plenty of boosters, Walmart and Jerry Jones. But, uh, you know, I, I think – Based on what I'm, from what I understand, and I mean, I'm sure some Arkansas fans can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't think he's going to be fired after this season. Um, but I think that the way things are going this season, next year is definitely going to be a prove it year, which is going to be difficult with KJ Jefferson leaving. Um, and no Kendall Bryles, no Barry Odom. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's my biggest concern with them is just how are they going to finish the season? Cause I don't think any of us thought that Arkansas would be two and five at this point. I think most of us had them no worse than three and four, but most of us, I think had them like maybe four and three. So like, this is definitely not the season that Arkansas fans are hoping for, especially in KJ Jefferson's last season. So that's going to be a storyline to watch. I do think that Sam Pippen probably is safe as long as he makes a bowl. They finish five and seven, you know, it just depends on how the boosters feel. They may try to buy him out and, you know, get him, get a new coach, but I think as long as they finish six and six, I think he's going to be safe. Yep, yeah, and uh, you know, just gonna go ahead and moving on to uh, the other SEC matchup. Vanderbilt um, falls to Florida, thirty-eight fourteen. This you was didn't miss a, much. Yeah, this is not <laughs> a. If you didn't watch this one, you, you did not miss anything. Um, this was. I did very, have it on, and it was it was it wasn't that great of a game. Um, it, it made the cut for a while, but um, Vanderbilt, they're just. God awful football team, man. There's just nothing good about them that I can really say that just strikes me. And I was trying to be really complimentary of them, you know, early in the season, get having hope for them. But, you know, their passing game, I think, could be decent if their offensive line would give their quarterback protection. I mean, that's another bad offensive line, too. I mean, I guess we're kind of forgetting about them. But, I mean, Vanderbilt's just, they've returned to a doormat this year. I mean, I think everybody's just going to kick them around the rest of the season. I don't see anything, especially their defense. I mean, their defense is absolutely horrendous. When you allow 495 yards um, to Florida in that horrific offense, I mean, there's, there's no hope in Nashville this year, especially after finishing five and seven last year. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about Vanderbilt. I mean, I think their fans have already been kicked enough, you know, about how bad their team is. Um, but you know, on the other side, I mean, good win for Florida. I mean, that was a, confidence game for Florida to win that game at home Win it pretty handily too. They controlled the game from the get go. I mean, there were times where Vanderbilt was, you know, had that one play that long touchdown play down the sidelines and tied up at seven. Other than that, uh, Florida, you know, just had pretty much complete control. Um, next week, you know, Vanderbilt brings in Georgia, Florida goes to South Carolina. That's a crossroads game. I can't wait to preview that one. Um, but I don't know what else I can tell you. I mean, it wasn't the prettiest game, but, yeah, Florida was able to take care of the business. That's all that matters. Yeah, and another, you know, solid game for Graham Mertz. Um, three, uh, 30 for 36, 254 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, so he continues to, uh, you know, be very efficient in the passing game. Uh, Montrell Johnson had, a, you know, a big game on the ground, 18 carries, 135 yards, and a touchdown. 
Um, Trayon Webb also had a 70 yards on the ground on just four carries. So um, definitely a very steady pace for this Florida offense. Um, Vanderbilt's defense really wasn't able to do anything to disrupt their rhythm. Um, you know, obviously Vanderbilt's uh, quarterback, AJ Swan, is still out. Um, Ken Seals came in. I mean, he had decent numbers, 1934, 276 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, but you know, it, it seems like it's the same story of Vanderbilt every week. You know, the quarterback and the receivers have a, have a pretty good game, uh, through the air, but they can't get anything going on the ground and the defense has just been awful. Um, so, you know, you hate to see that for Vanderbilt. Um, you know, this is, uh, probably one of the, one of the more winnable games on the schedule. Um, I think South Carolina is maybe the only one left where they even have a snowball chance of winning, but, um, you know, you feel you feel bad uh, for Vanderbilt fans. I mean, obviously, this has been a and Clark Lee because Clark yeah. Lee is such a good dude. Yeah, and after last year, first you, season, it felt like you were it felt like you were moving in the right direction last year, and now it's reached the point where it's like going back down. The and wheels you, are falling off, and yeah. Clark Lee will get another year next year. But yeah, it, things are not looking good in Nashville. I mean, this is horrific team. I mean, I think they would honestly be the way this team looks. They'd probably be less than mid-pack or even a bottom dweller in some of these group of five conferences this year. Yeah, and uh, then just going on and moving on to the last game of the weekend, um, Mississippi State beat Western Michigan 41-28. to um, Won't spend too much time on this game, but, uh, you know, I think the main takeaway from this game is that Mississippi State defense is is really struggling this year. Um, you know, I don't know if, if, if you were watching this, JB, but – I didn't really get Western, much watch of that. Western Michigan starting quarterback um, did not play. He was out with an injury. Um, so they played their backup who had been benched earlier in the season. He gets hurt in the first half. So then they bring in their third string quarterback who proceeds to go 27 for 35 for 262 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he did throw one interception there on that last drive. So third um, string at a group of five school. Tearing up an SEC defense. Yeah, so this Mississippi State defense is uh, really struggling right now, um, which is really kind of confusing to see considering um, Zach Arnett was the defensive coordinator last year and now he's the head coach. You would think that, you know, if they were having problems, it would be more on the offensive side. But, you know, offensively, uh, Mississippi State looks okay. Well, Rodgers had a, a decent game, 16-22, 189 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Mike Wright did get a good bit of action in this game, uh, which, you know, I think a lot of people have been calling for. Um, he went seven of 10 for 57 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Also had uh, seven carries for 24 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Um, you know, not, not really a lot um, to speak about in this game other than, um, you know, I mean, there's a few things you should know. I mean, obviously Mississippi State's defense is really struggling right now, but Will Rogers um, got hurt in this game um, and did not return. He's got a left shoulder injury. Uh, Jaquavius Marks left this game early with the ankle injury that he's been battling all season. Um, and then even the kicker got hurt in this game. So, um, and he also did not return. So, um, that's the main thing. Obviously, Mississippi State goes into a bye week next week. So they've got, um, a couple weeks and then they travel up to, uh, Arkansas. Um, but I think if we're looking at, <laughs> if we're looking at that game right now, I mean, that game is going to be for, for last place in the SEC West. I mean, whoever loses that game is, is going to finish last in the West. And honestly, I think whoever loses that game, I don't want to like speak this into existence, but you would think the loser of this game is probably not going to bowl, especially um, on the Arkansas side. Yeah, and I thought you were going to say uh, the coach is going to get fired, which I also think is a very poss very good possibility for Mississippi State. Um, I don't know if anyone saw the, the On3 article that came out um, this past week from Andy Staples. Um, kind of laid out 
Zach Garnett's buyout, and it's very, it's very cheap. Yeah, very team friendly. So if Mississippi State does want to move on from a coach this year, it's not the best gonna, time to do it. It's not going to break the bank. Um, and another thing to keep in mind too is that you know there's probably not going to be a lot of changes in the SEC this year. So you know you could be the only school in the market. You know that's another th- that's another thing to look at too because I think you know if coaches on the hot seat, I guess you can say Jimbo might be the only job you're competing with. But I mean, I don't think I don't think Mississippi State and A uh, and M are going to be chasing the same candidates. Um, for state side, though, the only coaches that you could potentially see not being here next year, well, the only ones that have a sl- slimmest chance would be Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. Um, I would say um, Sam Pittman and Shane Weaver. But other than that, I think all those three other other three coaches are pretty safe. So. You are right. I mean, Mississippi State, as far as the uh, you know other schools in the SEC, I'm around them. I mean, I think that's a good time for them to uh, go into the market. Yeah, so that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. Obviously, we'll be uh, also keeping an eye out for some injury updates um, regarding uh, Will Rogers and Jaquavius Marks. Um, you know, I, I don't know uh, if you're a Mississippi State fan. I think some of them, you know, wanted to see Mike Wright take over the starting quarterback job anyway, but. If Will Rogers isn't going to be a full go, then they may uh, get their wish on that one um, when they travel up to uh, Arkansas. But, you know, uh, I don't know if I, if there's anything else really to say about this game. Um, but uh, obviously we'll keep in, uh, you know, be keeping a lookout for, um, you know, coaching rumors and stuff like that. Because um, I do think Zach Arnett is potentially in a position where he could, uh, he can move on. He could be asked to move on after this season. So um, that being said, um, I think that's, going to wrap up uh, our recap episode um jb do you have anything else you wanted to touch on or mention before we get out of here no i think we pretty much covered everything we wanted to cover i mean next week's another exciting weekend i mean i always just say like once we get into october we're just in the meat of the schedule and every weekend besides the weekend before thanksgiving um it's going to be a grind and um we got we're finding out a lot more about these teams now you know getting closer to the midway point of the season i think like i said there's only maybe about two to three sec teams that i think that we don't have a, quite a handle on yet. I mean, I think I said, you know, Arkansas is one of them. Or no, LSU, no. Kentucky. Well, yeah, Arkansas, kind of, but LSU and Kentucky, those are the two. And then I'd even maybe even say the same about Tennessee, too. Those are the teams that, are, you know, we just can't, I would say that we're not completely figured out on yet. But everybody else, I think we pretty much know what they can and cannot do and what their potentials are. All right. Well, with that being said, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SEC Slow Smoke. Um, subscribe and rate us on whatever podcast you listen to. And hey, if you got any friends who like uh, SEC football, um, definitely uh, send them uh, the link to our podcast. We'd greatly appreciate that. Um, we'll be back on uh, Tuesday to uh, preview all the action for next week. Um, another really exciting weekend of football. Um, so uh, until then, um, everyone uh, enjoy your uh, your NFL and your maxion, whatever else is going to keep you tied over until uh, next Saturday.